All right. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Um, and I think we have kind of a short one for you this afternoon. Very hockey focused. <laughs> it's hockey season. It is, um, which it wasn't the last time we recorded a podcast. Um, so I realized we talked about what we're going to talk about today, but not the order in which we want to discuss them. You can pick one to go first. Uh, let's discuss the NHL concussion lawsuit. Okay. There appears to be a settlement. Um, We've talked about this briefly in earlier uh, earlier episodes. Um, a number of players, I think in excess of... They're reporting 140, but the math doesn't quite work out if there's only 140 plaintiffs in this class action suit. Um, have filed lawsuits against the NHL, somewhat consistent with the um, lawsuits that were filed against the NFL, seeking damages um, for the um, medical, the injuries they've suffered as a result of brain trauma from playing hockey. Uh, it appears that the uh, players have reached a settlement with the NHL for a total of $19 million that would be paid out um at this point, it appears it would be split evenly amongst all of the plaintiffs. And the reason we're saying the math doesn't work out is that there are reports that each plaintiff would get about $22,000, which seems odd considering that's not 140 divided by 19 or 19 divided by 140. Yeah. Even if you back out the um, legal fees that are going to be uh, sent to the class council of a third of the $19 million. So if you did the math, it would actually be like a roughly 318 plaintiffs. Okay. Um, yeah. That's how you get the $22,000 because I don't know who it was that broke down the math, but essentially every mm -hmm. plaintiff um, would get $22,000. Um, the named plaintiffs, the ones who sort of are the representatives of the class, would get a service bonus of about $10,000. And then there's other money set aside um, for funds for uh, basically medical testing, it sounds like, and travel sure. related to medical testing. And then you have attorney's fees and, and things like that. Um, and a couple of unique... Uh, Features, I guess, unique because they are inconsistent with the NFL settlement, which, to be clear, was for billions of dollars and had, I think, 4,000 plaintiffs as compared to what the NHL is looking at. Um, but two interesting things that were pointed out by um, Rick Westhead of TSN in Canada, who's done a lot of reporting on these um, the concussion lawsuits. So the two items were, one, there is apparently an opt-out clause if not all of the plaintiffs agree to take the settlement, then the NHL can back out, which seems, I can understand why the NHL would want it, but it just seems kind of consistent with their MO of sort of bullying these players into agreeing to this shit, even though they've been, now, I guess to take a step back, a lot of hockey players, obviously the NHL is not the first time they've played hockey. It's really hard to uh, kind of associate the make a causation argument that the injuries they've suffered um, are caused by their play in the NHL as opposed to playing in the minor leagues or playing when they were kids. Um, so I can sort of see where the NHL is coming from and thinking like this was not our, you can't say this is completely our fault, so why should we be expected to pay billions of dollars? But mm -hmm. still, they just seem to be pushing, their, their, their theory of the case seems to be kind of pushing the, the players around and not wanting to um, help them with their significant medical costs. Um, so anyway, that's one interesting issue. The other um, the other um, kind of unique feature of this settlement is that it appears not to bar claims by future claimants, um, which again is not something that was a, that was a pretty uh, uh, important 
part of the NFL settlement. Um, and I wonder if perhaps that's why the number is so low because they couldn't they couldn't lock in the kind of ban on future claims. Yeah, and I think that that's important because normally when you have like a class action, it binds everyone in this class. Yeah. Um, you, obviously, you do have the choice to join the class or not to join the class. And if you don't join, then you can move forward with your yeah. own lawsuit. But it's normally in the defendant's best interest to get as many people in the class as possible because then you're settling most of the claims. Um, so it is, I think it is strange that it doesn't bar future claims, but it's only for, and I say it's only $22 million, but that's really relative to the NFL concussion right. lawsuit settlement amount. Um, but it also seems like in reading some of the, like the tweets and the articles about it, the NHL um, players union attorneys is like, this is the best deal you're going to get, which is really kind of surprising to me that they mm -hmm. would say that. And I mean, I'm not in the room. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't like privy to any of these discussions, but that doesn't, it doesn't strike me as a lot of money. It just really doesn't. No, I mean, given that, so recently, I mean, the, there have been a number of NHL players, like young guys who've died. Uh, now, in fairness, I think some of them had, I don't know if pre-existing is the right word, but were suffering from mental illness before they ever um, had brain trauma from playing hockey. But, you know, there was Steve Monador a couple years back, 35 years old, just died in the middle of the night. Um, and I don't believe they were ever able to tie, uh, I don't think they established that he took his own life. I think he just, from brain trauma died, but he did suffer from addiction issues um, that were tied to his pain uh, and injuries from when he was playing in the NHL. Um, going back a couple summers ago, Wade Belak, Derek Bugard, Rick Rippon. Um, again, these were people who may have had previously undiagnosed mental illness, but were kind of pumped full of painkillers and other drugs to help them mm -hmm. get through the pain they were suffering. And now they're all young men who are dead as a result. Um, a couple of pretty well-known uh, enforcers uh, in the NHL, um, Daniel Carcillo, who played um, for many teams, but uh, the Blackhawks and the Flyers, I think most notably, Mike Peluso, have both um, said publicly they are not going to take a settlement. They want their day in court. They want to sue the NHL on their own. Um, Daniel Carcillo, in particular, made the point that like everyone's concussion is different. The pain and your medical needs are all different and to just set up a um, settlement structure where you divide the money evenly amongst the players seems unreasonable to him. I will say in my prior life as a bankruptcy attorney, I did work for um, a company that distributed asbestos and <laughs> not my proudest moment, um, but they, through their bankruptcy case, set up um, a trust where people who allege they had suffered an illness because of the asbestos that this company distributed could file a claim. And there was like a there was a whole process for evaluating how much money they would get. And so if you got like black lung or mesothelioma or whatever from this company's asbestos, you would get a hell of a lot more money as opposed to somebody who got like COPD or had emphysema. Yeah. Um, and anyway, it does not appear that that's the way this settlement is being structured, which differs from the NFL settlement right. as well. Because the NFL one is structured the way that you've described that they're normally structured, which is there's a pot of money, you submit your claim, and a special master essentially determines like how much that claim is worth. And um, 
the grid for the NFL <laughs> settlement, um, like the parameters for settlement. So basically, like if you're under 45 and you have ALS, you're you're eligible for over five million dollars. Oh but if you're 80 and you have like dementia or something, it's way less because obviously it's about life expectancy and sure. all of those things. If anyone is ever bored, there is the NFLConcussionSettlement.com. And on the FAQs, it goes through stuff. It has 341 FAQs. That seems like a lot to me. So this is a very complicated wow. situation. Yeah, there's they answer 341 different questions. Um, and I should pull up the um, article I was reading before I start talking about this. But uh, NFL, or sorry, the NHL. A concussion settlement has come through this week, and there's also a bunch of controversy around the NFL concussion settlement, since mm -hmm. it seems like they are fighting against having to pay out a bunch of claims. Um, and they're filing appeals, and it seems to be... There seems to be some concern that this whole thing could go sideways um, and have people losing out on that funding. Yeah, so there's, there's that issue with them, but there's also the issue of... People who have claims, who have been awarded money for their medical issues, um, are receiving way less than they thought because of liens against the money um, and also offsets from medical treatment that they have previously been provided. Uh, probably, I'm assuming that was at, like, the, the NFL paid for through whatever retiree insurance because you... I mean, I guess the idea is that you're not quote unquote double dipping. But. Right. Except like if you need more money, you need more money. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I mean, it's a, also, it's a concept that's often referred to as a double recovery. Mm -hmm. So like we in the world that Genevieve and I work in, um, if someone goes out on a worker's comp claim, there are a variety of ways to get them their money. But the idea is they're not supposed to earn more than 100% of their salary mm -hmm. when they're out of workers' comp um, because they shouldn't be getting like enriched off of their illness. So uh, to the extent they do, there's, I suppose, maybe that's not quite double recovery, but it's the same idea that like you can only kind of get one bite at the apple in terms of getting money for an injury. Yeah, but I guess like for me, I would necessarily, not necessarily um, the idea that, okay, if, if the insurance, if the medical insurance came from the NFL, the money shouldn't be used to cover that because that's already been covered. You should right. actually be using that money for other care that you'll need or whatever. Also, just... if the insurance was sufficient, then I don't yeah. know that they would have filed all these lawsuits. Like if mm -hmm. they were getting taken care of without having to sue the NFL, mm -hmm. then I would believe certainly there could be a couple of opportunistic people, but not 4,000 plaintiffs who were saying like, oh, you gave me all of this money that was totally taking care of all my needs, but I want more. Yeah. But I mean, you should also, I mean, part of the whole idea is that if, if the NFL was hiding information from individuals mm. about concussions, this is no. about pain and suffering. Right. Right. Even if you, even if my insurance from you was great and I kind of doubt that it is. Well, yeah. Right. Cause <laughs> we've heard all the horror stories about that, but like, yes, I am getting some, um, recompense for the fact that I actually had to go through all of this. Cause I might've mm -hmm. made a different decision at some point. I probably wouldn't have, but I might have. Right? right. I mean, you're not, I guess now more so with the NFL and I may just not have been following the NHL quite as closely, but it does seem like you're seeing younger guys retiring from the yeah. NFL thinking like, I don't want to fry my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not so much in the NHL, at least to my knowledge, but um, like you hear, I mean, the stories are just awful. I don't know. I can't remember what magazine or what form it was in. It was either probably Sports Illustrated or ESPN.com, but the um, story about William refriger the Refrigerator Perry, like he 
can't really walk, so he drives around his like little town, wherever the hell he's from, in a car, but he is incontinent. So like he just sits there in kind of his own filth chatting with people because he can't get out of his car. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's very upsetting. Um, And probably most of the reason that that is happening to him is because he smashed his head into things for how many years Mm -hmm. as um, a player in the NFL. And yet he and his family have to spend whatever kind of lucid time he has fighting to get money Mm -hmm. to take care of his medical needs. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's it's awful. Um, There was something else about the NHL settlement that I thought was interesting, but now I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Oh, well. Maybe I'll come back to it. Sure. My phone. Uh, Anyway, Uh, Gary Bettman is a mean little man, and uh, that league makes a shitload of money, and I feel like they should be helping people more. There's no legal basis for that feeling. It's just how I feel. (laughs) So um, I think that's, unless Jen can find her... My, like, find that thought again. Um, So... On a similar topic of medical issues and lawsuits, um, we'll come back to hockey in a moment. Uh, Sharif Foster? Floyd. Floyd, um, who played for the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings. I could see the purple outfit in my head. (laughs) Um, Has filed a lawsuit against famed uh, orthopedic surgeon James Andrews um, for $180 million. That was kind of Which is bold. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, asserting medical malpractice, um, what he has argued, so Floyd hasn't played in the NFL since 2016. He has alleged that he suffered debilitating muscle and nerve damage after a quote-unquote unpermitted knee surgery at the Andrews Institute in Pensacola, Florida in September of 2016. He says that the damage was caused by the negligent administration of a pain blocker, which was used after they got into surgery, determined it was a lot more complex than they had anticipated, and Floyd is saying he he never authorized these doctors to engage in the more complex surgery. Um, they administered this pain blocker. The doctor who was doing the surgery was just some like random, inexperienced surgical fellow, not James Andrews himself. According to Mr. Floyd. According to Floyd. And so all of this has led him to file this enormous lawsuit. Sorry, yeah. that's my phone. <laughs> um, and... Uh, before we got on the pod, Genevieve and I were talking about like what happens when you go into a surgery and it becomes significantly more complex than your doctor had anticipated. Like I didn't think I've only had major surgery one time. I hope if we lose coverage for pre-existing conditions, the insurance industry doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> and uh, I, but I like. Leading up to it, I'm sure I know I gave consent for them to do like the general surgery, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I signed off on like if things go wrong, wrong or they can do yeah, whatever else to like get the job done. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of sure that I've seen on like TV shows, dramas, yeah. not actual like documentaries or anything. Like sometimes doctors will go to like you know the families mm-hmm. of the individual and say, "Oh hey, there are some complications. We're going to do X or." You know, so yeah. they do have consent from family members. I don't know if that happens in real life. Like you, um, while I haven't had any major surgeries, knock on wood, um, Brendan has. And, you know, they've gone in and they've fixed things and they've done things sort of not beyond the scope of what they have said, but things have taken longer and there have been some complications. Oh. But, um, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily like 
an infrequent or uncommon thing that happens. Like if you open up a knee and there's way more damage than you think there is, yeah. you're not going to want to go in twice because that opens people up to infections and building more scar tissue yes. makes it harder for them mm -hmm. to recover. I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no. And people, if they have, you know, additional stays in hospitals, it's those infections that can really do some damage. Yeah. I, uh, my dad was in the hospital once and he still didn't feel great and wasn't quite sure he wanted to go home. And the doctor literally looked at him and goes, if you stay here long enough, we will find a way to kill you. You should go home now. And I'm pretty sure they were referring to like MRSA or whatever yeah, those horrible the super, super bugs that people yeah. get. Um, speaking of things on TV shows, I do think I'm pretty sure it was an episode of Grey's Anatomy and not something in real life. Although sometimes <laughs> I can conflate those two things um, or stories I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. But um, to the point we were talking about, there was uh, a person who went in for like cancer surgery and it turned out that it had spread much further than they had expected. Mm -hmm. And so the doctors came back out and said like, listen, we can do one of two things, either just sew them back up and mm -hmm. carry on with life as best you can, or we can try and get rid of everything we can see and see how that goes. Um, but that does not seem in any way kind of, uh, analogous to what happened to Sheree Floyd. This just seems like a situation where the damage to, they were expecting damage to his knee. It was just worse than they had anticipated. Mm -hmm. So they fixed it perhaps badly, but um, yes, but it seems weird that his assertion is like, I didn't consent to this yeah. unless there's some detail that we are missing in the, cause I have not read the complaint, um, mm -hmm. just the news coverage around it. And I can't tell what his argument really yeah. What's the so support basically, for his argument, I guess? yeah. So it's that he didn't knowingly consent to the surgery that was performed, and that the um, he was assured that it would be a minor arthroscopic procedure, um, and then the other part of it is related to, I guess, just a, your general standard of negligence because it's a medical malpractice claim. Mm -hmm. um, and that the person, the the flunky, as you said, who did the surgery, um, was not prepared or didn't, you know, uh, provide a standard of care that is acceptable in the medical community. But it's for $180 million, and James Andrews is pretty freaking famous in sports circles yeah. um, for his orthopedic specialties. Um, I mean, how much would Sheree Floyd have made if he had continued playing? I don't think he played a position that is particularly well paid. Um, well, and I mean, even if you had an actuary, like, you know, testify, which I'm sure they will if they ever yeah. get to um, a lawsuit, is that uh, he wasn't, I mean, the average career in the NFL is three years. Yeah. He was highly touted, but he had not only knee injuries, but ankle injuries too that, and it doesn't seem like they've impacted his ankle at all. So no. you can't say that, you know, even if you fixed his knee, he wouldn't have ended his career due to an ankle injury or any other injury that you can um, suffer from on uh, while playing games because while playing football anyways. Um, and what's kind of interesting about this is that apparently Floyd, he'd been suffering from like knee pain and, um, he had had multiple knee procedures before, including having cartilage removed. He went to talk to Dr. Andrews. Andrews initially told him, like, just try and play through it as much as you can mm -hmm. and take, we don't want to have surgical intervention yet. Mm -hmm. He played at least one game for the, the Vikings that se in the 2016 season, then went back to Andrews. He thought he was just going for another exam. According to him, he thought he was just going for another examination, mm -hmm. showed up, and they had booked this surgery for mm -hmm. him. Um 
and uh, his issue is that um, they he as you had said um, he he consented to having a knee scope and was told he'd be back playing within three or four weeks. Instead, they engaged in a quote-unquote cartilage regrowth procedure. <laughs> um, and the procedure entails, all right, uh, buckle up because this is really gross, um, <laughs> violating the bone surface using an arthroscopic burr Violate. to purposefully cause bleeding. Oh. Is that like those blood facials where they put blood in your face to like cause your face to, or no, it's... um. Not a blood facial, but it's the thing where they roll over your face like the tiny needles to cause oh, your face yeah, to, to bleed and it's supposed to make collagen come up to the surface. Well, it sounds like it. That you can get like horrible infections from and really <laughs> fuck your face up. Anyway, yeah, so don't do that, people. <laughs> um, not legal advice, life advice. Um, so anyway, yeah, the surgery was unsuccessful and he's never been able to play again. Um, yeah, so my father-in-law is... Played basketball in Notre Dame in the very early 60s. Um, played a couple of games for not the, the team that normally plays against the Harlem Globetrotters. The Washington Generals? Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, and he's a very, very tall man, obviously. So, you know, due to the wear and tear on his knees, um, they put... Um, it's pig cartilage in place of his human knee cartilage so that he has cushion because, you know, otherwise it was bone on bone. My friend's dad has a has pig pieces in his heart now. Mm. This is a lot of yeah. detail that probably our listeners didn't need. Um, this is our other fascination is, like, medical stuff. Burke likes murdery things. I kind of like sickness and death. Things. Not to engage in murder, to be no. clear. I'm a true crime fan. Yeah. Um, but also, if you're looking for a truly horrifying medical uh, podcast that involves death and medical issues, you should listen to Dr. Death. Um, they're not paying us, just uh, but it's, if you thought the discretion of um, Sheree Floyd's surgery was gross, it just be prepared. Uh, <laughs> um, so the $180 million in damages uh it basically stems from permanent and severe bodily injury, past and future medical expenses, lost wages, impaired future earning capacity, permanent disability from professional sports, pain, suffering, and emotional distress, shame, damage to good name, and impaired protection and society for Floyd's two minor children. I don't understand the shame piece. I don't either. Um, it's just like toxic masculinity saying like i'm weak now so i've got shame that should be I'm compensated i'm not Ugh. really sure it's like it was filed under florida law so who knows what goes on down there um yeah can't get covered in water fast enough <laughs> only seven nfl players have earned 180 million dollars or more in their nfl contracts and all seven of them are quarterbacks sure um defensive tackle which is what sharif floyd was um, the highest earning defensive tackle is Ger Gerald McCoy of the Buccaneers, uh, a six-time pro bowler, widely regarded as one of the best, has earned $110 million. Okay. Yeah. Fun fact about the Buccaneers and the lawyer who is representing, it's actually not a fun fact, it's a sad fact, but, um, lawyer who's representing Sharif Floyd, a guy named Brad Sohn, he mm -hmm. also represented Lawrence Tynes, who was the kicker for the Buccaneers, who got a horrible MRSA Oh. Um, infection at the Buccaneers pl uh, practice facility in 2015. He was never able to play again, so he sued oh. the team and um, Sone negotiated a settlement for him. So, yikes! There we go. 
Um, Andrews uh, has, I mean, I think probably all doctors have probably faced medical malpractice suits. It's sure. just the nature of the world that we live in. Um, he, in 2007, he agreed to pay the federal government $450,000 to resolve what the federal government depicted as a kickback scheme, where Andrews, along with another physician, was accused of partaking in a conspiracy to fraudulently bill Medicare and Medicaid. Good on you, James Andrews. Great. Did yeah. he work with Rick Scott, the, <laughs> the current uh, governor, potentially the next senator from Florida, who also was involved in a Medicare Medicaid fraud scam? Um, our current interim attorney general was involved in defrauding veterans. So awesome. there's that. Yeah. Um, Just so, saying, the Bible says theft is bad, so I don't know what all these people are doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not even like, I mean, yes, in the Bible, but literally one of the Ten Commandments. Like, well, yes, true. Like the foundation stone for all of this shit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Sharif's... Full- that was political corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the $180 million medical malpractice suit. I'm sure that um, Mr. Andrews's legal team will think of many defenses for why this lawsuit shouldn't go forward, but I just can't imagine, even if it did go all the way forward, and even if Sharif Floyd won, he's not winning $180 million. No, and I guess I'm also wondering, again, the only surgeries I've, like I had my wisdom teeth taken out when I was in high school, which isn't really major surgery, um, but the only time I've been like fully knocked out was for like proper, I've never had an arthroscopic surgery, I guess Mm -hmm. is my point. Like, do you get, or do you go under general anesthesia, or do they just kind of like, knock you out they use numbing agents or whatever it is to so you don't feel what's happening but you're kind of awake and Um, aware i don't know about arthroscopic but i know when brendan got his acl replaced he was under general okay so um the reason i asked that is because it seems like excuse me if they were just doing like a minor like scoping procedure to clean Mm -hmm. junk out of his knee like was he awake Mm -hmm. um there was some contention in the Michael McCann piece about whether or not he, even if he did consent, could oh, he have like knowingly, consent? yeah, was it effective because he might have been drowsy from drugs, sure. not fully knocked out, but just not fully um, aware of what was going on. Um, the piece about Brendan's ACL, that was not a HIPAA violation for any of you listening out there because I'm not a medical institution. <laughs> I didn't have his consent to share that information, so I hope it's okay that I did. I also feel like this is the first time we've used his real name on That's the podcast. True. That's very true. Sorry, Brendan. I don't know how he's going to feel about that. Okay. That's, um, um, that's our that's our other medical piece. Right. And then jumping back to hockey, um, the third story, or I guess our third and sort of final um, big story for the week, involves the Ottawa Senators, who've had a lot of drama going on. Um, most recently... Because this is the same team with the um, social media bullying oh, situation. Bullying I love that story. Which still seems to be unresolved. Um, I continue to have lots of questions about what happened there. Well, but, but I mean, the two players been, are separated. On, yeah, both players have been traded. Um, Eric Carlson actually plays for the San Jose Sharks yep. now. Um, and I can't remember where Mike Hoffman ended up because he got traded like three times in one day. I want to say maybe Florida, but I could be misremembering that. Anyway, the auto senators um, are seem like they're going to have another drama-filled season. Um, they're a number of players, um, I believe at least seven, based on the Uber drivers' complaints, <laughs> were um, in a in an Uber uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. They were playing the the Coyotes, and um, the driver of that Uber 
unilaterally video recorded them um, and caught them talking shit about their assistant coach. Um, saying like really just mean, snarky, crappy things about him. Mm -hmm. um, the Uber driver was so bothered by their like general behavior. I guess he didn't realize who they were, which is not surprising. It's just a bunch of like broy white dudes getting in a cab in Phoenix or an <laughs> With, Uber like, in Phoenix. Funny accents. Well, yes, talking like Canadians. Um, he posted the video online as a allegedly as kind of a warning to other Uber drivers about how like privileged professional athletes acted. The whole story sounds fishy. The it's... Uber driver says he was drunk when he did it, and he was just upset. And now he's been fired from Uber. Um, yeah, because I mean, because the Uber driver even said that he didn't even know that they were athletes until he asked them. Right. right. And so his, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. His story was that he was pissed off. Like he picked these guys up, but nobody told him there were going to be that many people in the car. And so he was upset because he was concerned that his um, insurance policy was insufficient to cover all of them if they were in an accident, which makes a little bit of sense because it seems a little wacky, but then... Come to find out, he was recently in a car accident at the Phoenix airport where a motorist ran into him causing like $11,000 worth of damage. So he might have been like sensitive to um, uh, insurance issues. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that was also why he set up this video camera in his van. Uh, he does not did not have any kind of like notification to people getting into the van that they were being recorded. Which is kind of upsetting if you were just like a regular person. Right. Not making snarky comments about your coach. And I know like having taken a lot of cabs in the state of New York or New York city, like they have notices yeah. that say like, you're on, you like, hello, video. you're on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could be because New York is a two consent, two party consent state. Um, whereas Arizona is a one party consent state. So what does that mean? In state of Arizona, you can be recorded without your consent. As long as the person who is recording you knows what they're doing. Yes. Um, so he was not obligated to tell these people they're being recorded. Um, still seems like poor form to post it on the internet. Yeah. Um, very poor form. But yeah. Um, so in Arizona, according to Michael McCann's article, the source of all knowledge. Um, Arizona law only criminalizes the use of hidden cameras in very specific private circumstances, which really relate to, you know, um, circumstances stances when you're like in a bathroom, restroom, a locker room, or where you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Um, whereas here you're in a car um, and presumably out in public. And I think my counter argument to this reasonable expectation of privacy is that these individuals weren't on a bus. They weren't on like, you know, BART from the airport to their hotel or whatever. They were in basically a private ride sharing um, service. And I don't know how different that would be if it was a limousine, like, right. If you had just hired a limousine to That's pick true. you up. Um, and to the Uber driver, if you drive around in a van, wouldn't you expect that there might be times when you pick up six people? I would think so. And like, don't they have, I mean, I don't, I don't travel in Uber with that many people, but like you can get an Uber XL, which specifically, says, I would think like, you have to order that to get mm -hmm. a bigger car. Yeah. Although recently I was involved in somebody ordering an Uber XL and the car showed up and can only fit four people, which kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose of the Uber XL. But anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. And he's driving a van. Like mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, can't you fit six people in the van? You've got three in the way back, and then yeah. at two, maybe three, three in the middle set of and seats, then, and then somebody in the front. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe he, I, I also don't understand what his insurance, like, why doesn't it cover the number of people you could possibly fit in your car? It's not like somebody was stuck in like the jump seat in the trunk or something. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there's probably very little grounds on which these individuals could sue the Uber driver, although certainly you could probably be creative, creative pleading um, to do so. But I think that like, essentially the players have come out and apologized to their assistant coach and it's sort of water under the bridge for these folks now. I but. guess, except like Matt Duchesne, who is one of the star players on the team. I'm not sure if he's the team captain or an assistant captain, but he basically said like, I don't listen to this guy anymore because he's a dipshit and doesn't know what he's talking about. And I like, how do you recover from that? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, that would be, you know, maybe he's had a come to Jesus moment because this is an assistant coach, right? Yes, not Marty their, Raymond. Yeah, not their head coach. So. No, no. Who was none too pleased with their commentary. Oh, I but. can't imagine that he would be. How are the Ottawa Senators doing since the, not the well. star players is not listening to their coach? They're, I mean, the team is fucking terrible <laughs> and they, I think they probably would have been regardless. Although Guy Boucher, who is their coach, is, um, he... I'm not actually sure. I mean, he's a pretty good coach, um, but I think when he coached the Tampa Bay Lightning and they did quite well, they got to the Stanley Cup final under him. Um, I think they were just very, they was a very talented team. I'm not sure he had a ton to do with it. <laughs> um, all of which is to say that, yeah, the auto centers are not doing great and um, it feels like they need some kind of really dramatic change, but their owner is a goddamn lunatic. And uh, he... So to be clear, like the, the videotape was recorded by the Uber driver and then posted online. This is a news story, quite clearly, in my view, as a non-journalist. The, <laughs> the Ottawa Citizen and Ottawa Sun newspapers in Ottawa um, covered the story, put the videotape on um, their websites. And prior to this happening, the Ottawa Senators allowed a um, citizen, I think it was a citizen reporter, to travel on their charter flights with mm -hmm. them. Um, in response to the newspapers covering this story, the reporter got to the Ottawa airport to get on the charter plane. He was abandoned at the gate um, and just left there. They will not let him on the plane anymore. And um, they uh, he missed practice in Tampa Bay because he had to like catch a commercial flight to get there. And um, yeah, their owner, Eugene Melnick, is a petty, petty bastard. And this is how he is... He's acting. He's threatened to like move the team because nobody likes them enough and the um, fans aren't good enough. Um, numerous former players, I shouldn't say numerous, at least one very famous former player, Daniel Alfredson, like kind of doesn't have anything to do with the team anymore because the owner is such a nightmare to, to, to work with. Um, um, yeah, I think Eugene Melnick, that was it, on the like eve of the outdoor game being hosted by the Ottawa Senators, said the fans sucked and didn't care enough about the team. He was going to move oh, them. Oh, I remember this. Um, yeah, and the Ottawa Sun slash Ottawa Citizen is refusing to take the video down. Yeah, I've, I've seen it a couple of times now. It's They put it on every story relating to this, to this incident. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't seem like the, sen the senators are trying to do the whole, like, stronger together thing that, like, now this will be... They've route, dealt yes. with the issue. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that's true. They're in a pretty tough division, um, which includes my Boston Bruins. So um, I'm not sure there's a lot of hope for them this season. But who knows? They were not supposed to be all that great. They've been very up and down. They'll like be in the Stanley Cup final and then the worst this team in the league. So it's um, 
Stranger things have happened. So Mike Hoffman did go to Florida just oh, okay. to tie up that loose end. Was he went? They first traded him to San Jose, I think, and then San Jose traded him to Florida. Might be. Yeah, because I can't imagine that he would ever, he would ever end up with the other guy. No, and I think they did that. That trade happened. All those two trades happened on the same day. Eric yeah. Carlson getting traded to San Jose was much later in the off season. But yeah, just for, um, just FYI for anyone listening, Ottawa is in. Sixth place in the Atlantic Division um, and in, uh, why are they not, huh, well, they're not doing well. I was trying to figure out, because normally they will put like the playoff standings and show you where they are in the conference, but they don't have that right mm. now. Um it looks like they are fourth from the bottom, tied with the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is oh, a little rough. That is a little rough. Um, but yeah, anyway, they're not they're not doing great. I'm not sure that they will do any better, um, and this can't help. No, this definitely can't help. Well, as you said, it could be used as an event to maybe like bring people together. I kind of doubt it because you know these guys don't seem like they're really great guys. So no. Um. um. So yeah, that's that story. And I think that's all of our major stories for the week. I would like to share with our listeners, um, if you have time in your lives for another podcast and you're really enjoying sports and crime, uh, Sports Illustrated has uh, started a podcast called The Fall of a Titan, investigating the 2009 murder of Steve McNair. I totally forgot that he was dead. It's so long ago. He was 35 years old when he died, which is also crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the, the theory is, so he was um, shot execution style in a like flophouse apartment that he maintained for himself and his many girlfriends. Um, when he was, the, the story the police came up with after like very uh, minimal investigation was that Steve McNair was murdered by his girlfriend, um, Jenny Kazemi, a uh, young woman who had just turned 20 years old. Um, and I did uh, remember that. Yeah. Which is tidbit. Yikes. She was 19 when they got together. He was 35, <laughs> 35. Um, so anyway, the, there was a former detective from the Nashville police who just did not buy this story that like this young woman suddenly became like a fucking assassin and Sniper. murdered Steve McNair again, execution style. He was shot twice in the head and then twice in the temple four kill shots. <laughs> um, and so he's been the fa- Steve McNair's family didn't really believe that this is what happened either. And so, um, guy from sports illustrated whose name is escaping me right now started to look into it and um the podcast is fascinating i'm not sure they're going to come to a resolution but the whole story does seem super fishy i don't i'm based on the first five episodes i don't believe this young woman killed him do they suggest who might have well sort of so there's um and the last episode that they've uh put out talks about two men. One is the person who Jenny Kazemi allegedly bought the nine millimeter that killed Steve McNair um, from. And there's a assertion that like he was, he had been previously convicted of murder and had gotten out of jail, um, but that he had some romantic interest in Jenny Kazemi and like maybe he was somehow involved in this. The other guy that they've talked about is Jenny Kazemi's ex-boyfriend who was a amateur rapper. And then put, he had put out a song that basically talked about if you appear to be talking about Steve McNair and Jenny Kazemi and how he wanted to kill them both. Um, (laughs) But he was basically like, it's just, it wasn't serious. Um, 
What else are you going to say? I mean, I guess, yeah. This is my blueprint for how I'm going to do murder-suicide of these two people. Right. I mean, listening to him talk, I'm also not sure that he could have um, pulled off, like, an assassin-type execution of the two of them, but um, it is what it is. Um, So that's that's fascinating. I am actually going to listen to that. I I read about it the other day, and I was like, okay, I'll put that on the list of things to listen to. Anyways, breaking news for um, all of you out here. Uh, it's not a legal story, but um, the Philadelphia 76ers have traded for Jimmy Butler from oh, the yes. Minnesota Timberwolves. He's been causing all sorts of sturm and drang over in the... Just gotta trust the process, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know who they traded for him, uh, you know, to in exchange. But um, anyways, that's just breaking news. Uh, we don't even have a three-minute warning today. Oh. No, but if you want to watch a fun video to make you giggle, um, there's a video of Jimmy Butler when he first moved to Minnesota, and he's in a canoe that is, oh, that is not so even off the shore. It's just sitting, like, in extremely shallow water, and it falls over, and he screams. <laughs> it is so funny. He was fine, obviously. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Google... Jimmy Butler canoe and yeah, that uh, you can get a good giggle. Hilarious. I totally had forgotten about that. Um, also, Joe, for a quick reality TV stoop that we've discussed previously, Joe Giudice, um, husband of Real Housewives of New Jersey star Teresa Giudice, still appears on the path to deportation. Um, she has reached out to President Trump and has not heard back. Um, um, I just. Oh. Just let him go. It's yeah. So he was in jail for embezzlement? He's no, tax still fraud. in jail for uh, tax and tax. bankruptcy fraud, I think. Um, and she was jailed she, for a period of time for right. those crimes as well. Because she just signed things that her stupid husband shoved in front of her. And uh, yeah, so she went to jail. Circling back to the story about Jimmy Butler, apparently he, was tra- he and Justin Patton were traded to Philadelphia for... Um, uh, Jared Bayless, mm. Robert Covington, Dario Saric, and a 2022 second-round draft pick. Oh. Mm. So now it'll be Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons. And Markel Fultz. Oh, right. Yeah, don't forget Markel Fultz. He's not being included in Twitter's uh, Big <laughs> Three discussions. So. No, I can't imagine. There was um, rumor the other day that I can't remember who the 76ers were playing for, but... Um, when Markel Fultz actually put up a shot, he yelped when he was doing it. That might be a new strange hitch in his whole shot-making process. God. We don't know. Um, well, reporters are saying that the fact that this trade didn't include Markel Fultz or a f- future first-round draft pick is the best you could have done in this situation. But there are concerns about the impact he will have on the locker room. So. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he's he's a tough guy. He's... He's... um. You know, he was with the Bulls, and then he left the Bulls under not great circumstances either. Followed Coach Tibbs up to Minnesota. That's been a train wreck. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I will say, Boogie Cousins was supposed to be a real fucking nightmare, right? And now he's cooled out. Well, but yeah. But he's with the Warriors. Now, yes, and so he's also not playing. So. I guess that's true. <laughs> so who knows? Like, what if he's not getting enough minutes or enough touches or whatever? But for right now, he's fine. Um, okay, so that's it from us for this week and this month. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, thanks for listening, and we will try and be back with you on a more regular basis soon. <laughs> Great. Take Bye. care, everyone. Bye.